The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Good morning and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr. Thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, channel 13 in San Diego. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC, channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV, channel 8, and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable, channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV, channel 15.3 and Comcast channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable, Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign of the roof of the temple of Jesus coming soon. A landmark in Kali for 98 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Labam on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Our church choir under the leadership of Emilia Hahn will open the musical portion of our program with this Hebrew hymn entitled Shalu Shalom Yerushalem, which when interpreted means pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We have featured a flute accompanied by Sally Spotkaff as well as Edith Masuki on the piano 
and Rose Bahaku Carter on the organ. of yours truly, the men and women of our church band will play this thought-provoking tune entitled, Open Thy Eyes, Thy Glory Beholding. 
this morning's soloist, Associate Pastor Timothy Han Sr., will sing this uplifting and robust song entitled, Let There Be Praise. Praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the evening. All day long we should praise Jesus. Accompanying Timothy will be Iris Lock on the Jones, trustee, Associate Pastor Edwin Pro Sr., Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars, Associate Pastor Marvin Abing on the bass, and myself on the piano. For song, Timothy, your song of praise has gone up to the Lord as a sweet-smelling incense. Then in here, once again, as the members of our church choir once again delight us in this upbeat song entitled, How I Praise You. Please join in and sing along with us using the words on your television screen.
This morning, we had the talents of our church orchestra in the direction of Trusty Associate Bass Evans Broad Sr. as they come together with praise and joy in their hearts, playing this inspiring song entitled, In the Twinkling of an Eye. to sing a strong confirmation and stand of one's belief in Christ Jesus of the daughters of Judah. Singing for us a song entitled, Victory is Mine. 
Have you chosen to make Jesus yours today, viewers? Are you blood-washed, water-washed, spirit-filled, and living the life? If not, why not? Today is the day of salvation because tomorrow is not promised us. Accompanying our group will be Christy Hahn on the piano. At this time, it gives me great pleasure to dedicate this wonderful song to Mrs. Jamelyn Nelson. May the Lord pour bountiful blessings pressed down and overflowing upon you and your family in this life and that to come. Jamie, have a victorious and blessed Sunday. And praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time stations and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 
and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m on station KQTA-TV channel 515.3 and Comcast channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning our schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakai Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloi in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You're welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections, however, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to these telecasts and support the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hunt Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. Life is so full of problems that many people in the world today put their personal concerns ahead of Jesus. In spite of the message delivered in the song, put Jesus first in your life, most often we tend to put Jesus second, third, or even lower on our list of priorities. For many, it is a difficult decision to choose to be faithful to the Lord or to the world, even though we know that what the correct choice should be. Perhaps if we learn a little more about the Lord through sermons like the one I've entitled, why worry when you can trust? The decision to choose the Lord will be a whole lot easier. Read in Mark chapter 10, verse 28, when Peter said to the Lord, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. What are we going to get out of this? Jesus answered in the 29, 30th verses, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that had left house or brethren, or sisters or father, or mother or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers, and children and lands, 
with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Of course, Jesus is not saying you will get rich if you follow me. You will have far more than you have ever had before. No. We are told that persecutions and hardships often come to those who follow Christ. So choose you this day whom you will follow, Jesus or the glitter of the world. The Bible tells us there are hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold blessings. I urge you to head upwards and shoot for the moon, which is the hundredfold blessings, even if you have to hit the streetlights on the, your way up to the moon. What then did Jesus mean when he talked about this hundredfold blessings? Did he not mean peace of mind and heart? Did he not mean joy in doing the will of God? Did he not mean an easy conscience and not one seared with a hot iron? Did he not mean sweet fellowship in the walking with the Lord Jesus? Did he not also mean a reward at the end of the way? Certainly, the unbeliever has none of these things, but a true born-again believer has all these things and more. Jesus rewards those who diligently follow and serve him. Let us go to Matthew 20, verses 1 to 2. This certain man had a large vineyard and needed more labors, as we read. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is in householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had heard, when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. That penny was a Roman denarius worth about 17 cents in our money. This was the day's pay at the time for a laborer or a soldier. At nine o'clock, the man found he didn't have enough laborers. Therefore, he hired more men. He didn't make any deal with them as we read in the third, fourth, fifth verses. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. Then at five o'clock, one hour before quitting time, he found more men doing nothing. And he said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? And they replied, Because no man hath hired us. All right, he said, It's getting late, but go ahead and work this last hour, and I will pay you what is right. Thus his vineyard was soon filled with labors. And he rejoiced that his vines were being well cared for. Some men worked 12 hours, some nine, some six, some three, and some only one hour. When six o'clock was at hand, he called the men in and paid them their wages. For some reason, he called in first those who had been working only one hour, and he gave them a full day's wage. Still others were compensated. Then he came to those who had been working a full day, and he gave them a penny. They began to murmur and complain, as we read in the 12th to the 15th verses, saying, These last have brought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? 
In other words, the employer contended, this is my vineyard and my money. Therefore, what is your problem? Didn't you bargain to work for a penny a day? Thus, in this parable, we find several important lessons. First, we see the dignity and privilege of work. Those who do nothing make the sorriest contribution. Also, those who refuse to work for a living create the biggest drain upon society. Paul tells in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. These people make up criminals, our forgers, our thieves, our gamblers, our pickpockets, our tramps and hobos. They cost us millions of dollars every year. They contribute nothing to the good of human society. Chesterfield said, idleness is the holiday of fools. Bunyan said, an idle man's brain is the devil's workshop. Holland said, an idle man is outside of God's plan. Henry Beecher said, if we are idle, we are on the road to ruin. God said in Genesis 3:19, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return to the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Our government in recent years has had all kinds of programs, giving out charity and other those. But it's not these things that build character. It is good, old, honest, hard work. In order to be successful, one must learn to work and learn to work with others. We see here in the parable not only of justice, but also the generosity of God. The men who went to work at six o'clock received all that they were promised. And God is going to give us everything that he promised. His promises are yea and amen. But this employer surprised those who began work late by giving them a full day's wage. And every Christian can testify that he is often surprised by God. We go along not expecting much, and then all of a sudden, God opens the windows of heaven and pours out his blessings that fill our hearts with joy. Now, if this life is full of surprises, what do you think heaven is going to be like? We see here that not only is salvation given by grace, but our rewards are also distributed by grace. The man who worked only one hour didn't deserve a day's pay, but he received it as a result of the grace of the owner of the vineyard. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive our rewards, it will not be because of our own merits. Actually, we don't deserve anything. All the work that we can do throughout eternity can never repay our Calvary debt. We can't pay for one drop of his shed blood. No rewards like salvation must come from the grace, must come from the grace of God. No wonder we call it amazing grace. It is grace or unmerited favor that brings both salvation and rewards to sinners. We read in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. What service are you giving to God? 
Some of you have been serving him a long time. Some have not yet begun to serve him. It may be five o'clock for you. You do not have much longer. Let me urge you to get busy now. As Jesus tells us in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. In other words, while work, while you have the strength, vigor, and vim, you don't want to go to heaven empty-handed. You would want a few sheaves to lay at his feet. His reward is for his faithful and for those who stand for the name of Jesus. To be able to receive this reward, it is the church who guides lost souls to the fold. Paul tells us in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Therefore, the gospel is the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals body and soul, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and Jesus is coming soon, and sooner than many think. God's word in Mark 16, 6 and 16 exhorts, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Simply put, dear television viewers, to believe God's word means to be baptized by immersion in water in the name of Jesus Christ and to be filled with God's Holy Spirit, to receive the full salvation of our souls. If not, we'll be damned according to God's word. The biblical example and true account of a man named Nicodemus is written proof that every man, woman, and child must be baptized. John 3, 5 reads, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In the sixth of the seventh verse, it reads, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. This scriptural commandment given to every man, woman, and child must be done according to God's word, the Bible. To be born in water means we must be baptized by immersion in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And to be born of the Spirit means we must be filled with God's Holy Spirit speaking in God's unknown tongue as the only Bible evidence we have received this Holy Spirit within. God's mandatory born-again commandment is addressed in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In his sermon to the Jews in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, Peter was preaching baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, in power and demonstration of God's Holy Spirit, being the chief apostle of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.41 confirms God's blessing that followed. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. The Lord Jesus Christ confirmed Peter's preaching of his word. And the multitude of 3,000 souls were baptized on the day of Pentecost. Therefore, the term baptized is derived from the Greek word, which means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. Water baptism typifies the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we go into the water, it is a type of death. When we go under the water, it is a type of burial. And when we come up out of the water, it is a type of resurrection. 
Therefore, we are now resurrected to live a new life in Christ Jesus, or a life above sin. Romans 6, 4, therefore declares, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Any other method of water baptism is incorrect, and the applicant must then be rebaptized correctly to have a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. The biblical phrase that reads, every one of you, implies that no one is exempt from being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus Christ is God's only true name of authority that must be administered in water baptism. Acts 4.12 confirms the commandment to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It reads, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Believers who are baptized receive two wonderful gospel gifts by following God's instructions to the very letter. The first is remission of sins. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that remits our sins and removes them as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. And the second is the promise to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is confirmed within us when we speak in God's unknown tongue or heavenly language as the evidence that we have received God's Holy Spirit within. God's Holy Spirit will empower mankind to possess the mind of Christ, and it will help every man, woman, and child to live a life above sin. Therefore, God's Holy Spirit within us will enable us to hear Jesus Christ call up his waiting bride to church, saying, Come up hither. On the other hand, the gospel is God's spell to sinners and to all those with unbelief in Christ Jesus. Jesus called his disciples aside and predicted his death and resurrection. Read in Matthew 20, 18, 19. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. But it seemed that the disciples could not understand. Why here was one who conquered the winds and waves, who could heal the sick and cast out devils, who could even bring the dead back to life again? How could anyone take his life away? They forgot what he had said and went on dreaming about earthly kingdoms and earthly rewards. They questioned Jesus. Reading Acts 1-6, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father had put in his own power. Then came the mother of James and John, making an ambitious request of Jesus, where she said, I would like to ask a favor of you. Sometimes people want us to do something, but they don't come to any specific point. They keep beating around the bush. It is dangerous to say that you will for granted favor until you know exactly what that favor is. Jesus responded as you read in Matthew 20, 21. What wilt thou, she said unto him, grant that my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left, in thy kingdom. Some parents in their ambitions for their children do some unwise things and often ruin the children spiritually. They are eager for them to shine in the social world. Therefore, they push them into a social life and God and the church are left out. How foolish it is to rear children without any thought of God. Now, how did Jesus answer this ambitious mother? We read in the 22nd verse. But Jesus answered and said, ye know not what he asked. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. 
he was not referring to the Lord's Supper or to water baptism. He was referring to his sufferings. He was simply saying, are you able to endure all that I go through? They answered, yes. Little did they realize what they were saying. But Jesus said to them in the 23rd verse, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Thus the time did come when suffering and death came to them. James was one of the first martyrs, as you find in Acts 12, 1 to 2. Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And while his brother John was exiled to the isles of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. They came to realize then that the death for Jesus' sake was better than life for any selfish purpose. They came to realize that the cross was more desirable than the crown. Jesus next said that the one who wanted to be truly great had to become a servant and minister unto others. The highest service was not always found in the highest places. Let us read in Matthew 20, 25 to 28. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The greatest servants of God are not always of prominent stature. What the world needs today is not as many people in high places as in common places, where are found everyday saints who are people of humble hearts doing their very best for God. Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come into the world to be royally treated or occupy a high place, but that he came to give his life as a ransom for sinners. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 5 to 6, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The phrase form of God speaks of the glorious appearance that the Lord Jesus Christ had, the glory which I had with thee. When he came to this earth to live, he did not empty himself of any part of his divine nature, although he was made in the likeness of man. It meant only that he entered himself of the outward glory, which was a mark of his Godhead and majesty. The eyes of men could not have looked upon his glory. The Lord was not grasping at something that was not his divine right. It was rightfully his, for he was God. Read verses 7 to 11, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of his servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. The time is coming when every knee should bow at the moment Jesus comes again to rule and reign on this earth. In a greater way, Jesus took upon himself our deeds of sin. He who had no sin was made sin for us. And on the Calvary's cross, he died for us that we might forever live with him. How can anyone refuse such a loving savior? Yes, in the kingdom of God, the last shall be first, the least shall be great, the lowest shall become the highest. Now as Jesus journeyed upon the road, two blind men heard that he was passing by. 
Thus they cried out, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. But the car rebuked them and told them not to bother Jesus. Often there are those who ridicule and persecute those who follow Jesus and worship his way. But we are to be like these blind men. We are to pay no attention to the persecutors. These blind men kept crying out, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Then Jesus stopped. He always stopped when we call on him. He is never too busy to answer our cries. Jesus said, What can I do for you? They answered, as we find in Matthew 20, 33, 34, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. The word compassion applies to Jesus as to no other man who ever lived. He is a great, sympathetic, compassionate Savior. Oh, the world and its sins and its selfish ambitions, like those of James and John, are continually gnawing at us, tempting us. We need to move up higher. We need to get closer to God. Therefore, in this busy world, we need to sit down often and in our imagination, climb again the hill of Calvary and there dedicate ourselves to all that Jesus stood for. God gave his best, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is not only a future, but also a present possession of every true born again believer in Christ Jesus. Therefore, why can't we give him our best? If you'd like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review the telecast presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. And now I'll call upon the church band to play their final number entitled, Everlasting Life is Free.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.